Okay. Hey, everybody. <clears throat> wow, that was a, that's, an, that's opening. an opening. Welcome back to How to Be Queer. My name is Alex. My pronouns are they, them. You are listening to How to Be Queer. Hi, everyone. It's Kim. I'm back. My pronouns are she, her. Welcome to How to Be Queer. Welcome to How to Be Queer. It is the end of, end of December. We're going to do a little year wrap up for you. We got lots of lots of conversation we're going to be had over coffee and water. I also have a kitten on my lap. And a kitten and two dogs. Yeah, so Captain Underbite is on the loose. You all know what that means. He's under He's under my chair. We also decided that getting two kittens was a great was idea. A great idea. Yeah. So we've got now Tuki. Tuki is the kitten that's sitting on my lap. <laughs> Their brother, Blueberry Pancakes. <laughs> yes, I named our cat Blueberry Pancakes. The kids wanted to name him Ed Sheeran because he's... He's orange. He's got red hair. I was like, no cat should be named Ed Sheeran. (laughs) So I got to name him and he is Blueberry Pancakes, blue for short, which is kind of funny because he's an orange cat. Yep. And then Tuki too, which is homage to our- To our previous cat, Tiki, who passed away. Rest in peace, Tiki. So, you know, because we're such a highly produced podcast that frequently gets interrupted by Captain Underbite, we thought, why not? two more things mm-hmm. i mean four kids five animals two adults we're completely outnumbered we are completely outnumbered somehow we're somehow maintaining slightly controlled chaos mm-hmm. this is our life this is our life what do we got today kim well first we need to do a shout out to youth scene huge shout out to youth scene yes youth scene is our sponsor go check them out they are we are on youthscene.org. They are a local organization that extends to Colorado and beyond that supports the LGBTQ and QT BIPOC youth and their families. Yay for Youth Scene. Yay for Youth Scene. Go check them out. Yay check- for mental health. Yep. Yeah. That's the focus of the organization is mental health and wellness. So I guess um, I'll start by we are, we are under quarantine because we both, um, tested positive for COVID. We have the, the, the the Omicron got us. Yeah. Good thing. Well, yeah. Yeah. 22 months into a pandemic where we had managed to do all the things we were supposed to do to keep ourselves and our loved ones healthy. 22 months in, we have an exposure you are asymptomatic, so you're not feeling any symptoms, and yeah. I feel like I could sleep for a hundred years. And my nose is a <laughs> my nose is a bit stuffy. I mean, we're halfway through the quarantine. We're we're alone in the house except for the animals. You know what? A better time to have a honeymoon. <laughs> Hi, sweetie. I can't <laughs> stay awake, and my can't breathe out of my nose. <laughs> but yay! <laughs> yay! It's so romantic. <laughs> So here we are. It's us and Captain Underbite and Rosie, who just is in her dog glory because I can't leave the house. So therefore I can't leave Rosie the dog. She's laying in the sun right now. She's super happy. Two kittens. And and so why not bring you one final podcast for the year? Yes. So we're calling this the bonus show, the year in review. Um, we're going to cover. Um, we got a couple of things we wanted a few, to cover. Yeah, a few things. We're going to talk about, and just like that, the TV show. 
yeah, let's, let's, well, we'll, we'll start with that. And then I wanted to talk a tiny bit about this podcast that you and I are listening to called maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. Um, what new year's is going to look like for what well, we were going to talk about what we were going to do for new year's or that got scratched. And mm-hmm. then a little bit of a year in review, like what brought us joy this year. Yeah. I love this because somebody had put this on, um, Twitter, which was what, what brought you joy in 2021. And it couldn't be like something you achieved. It couldn't be like an accomplishment. It had to just be like something that just like sparked joy where you didn't relate it back to like your achievements, which was like, that's actually a really cool question mm-hmm. for okay. to answer. So we'll talk about a little bit about that at the end. <clears throat> you want to dive into it in just like that? Yeah. So there's two. So, so if y'all are familiar with the, with the show sex, well, I knew it as sex in the city. I did too. And now they call it sex and the city. And you cannot find anywhere on the internet. What do they call it? The Mandela effect? It's the, it's called the Mandela effect. So if you Google this, you'll, you'll understand what we're talking about, but the, but I always knew it as sex in the city. Mm-hmm. I remember writing emails to people with capital S I T C. Me too. Yeah. I, I swear to you somewhere in this house, there is a box set of the DVDs from like before the show had even ended. So like previous yeah. to 2004. And I swear to God, it says sex in the city on it. Mm-hmm. But the Mandela effect tells us it was never sex in the city. It was sex and, and the city. Yeah. They gaslight us. So I, we won't be gaslit. <laughs> so if you're interested, go into the Mandela effect and it'll tell you all about it. But the the spinoff of sex in the city because i still say in like you just said we will not be gaslit yeah it is sex in the city um the new show being and just like that yeah so everybody's talking about and so if you if you want to watch the show and you haven't watched it yet this might be the time to pause us because you're you're going to get a ton of spoilers right now Mm -hmm. so pause watch it and come back to us yes if you don't give a fuck, keep listening. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or if you have watched it and you want to hear us talk about it. Give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> right? If you're just like, whatever, I love, I'll just listen to Kim and Alex talk about it. And I don't really give a fuck if I've heard it or not. Um, but if you, if you have been watching along, we're going to talk about it a little bit. So everybody's kind of been talking about, you know, so big, they, they kill off big finally. Right? Yeah. You said that. And I was like, no. Yeah. I had a feeling. Yeah. I had a feeling because, you know, the story is so it's funny because I was talking to Katie, um, my, my best friend, Katie, who I've talked about on here before. And I was, she was, she is so long story short, but we are, you know, we were New York city girls, right. Mm -hmm. We lived in New York city. We had our, we lived in our own apartments. We lived by ourselves and we were doing that like through a lot of the time of when sex in in the city was being filmed. Mm -hmm. So I think both of us have like a really deep connection to that show because it it was, you know, we were like the poor versions. (laughs) (laughs) We were like the real versions where like you see some of their apartments and you're like, yeah, my apartment doesn't look like that. (laughs) And, you know, so I guess the show is kind of, it it has like a little soft spot. I remember um, I lived on 39th street and right around the corner um, from my apartment, there was a bar that you used to be able to go in on Sunday nights and you could order a Cosmopolitan and like watch the show. Was it a gay bar? It was It was not a gay bar, but then there's so many gay people in New York City. I mean, technically everywhere is <laughs> Every a gay bar. Every bar is a gay bar. Every bar is a gay bar. Was it a bar with gay people in it? There- <laughs> 
I mean, Alex, I worked and lived like right in Chelsea, which is like gay town. Uh So I loved my time in New York City because it felt like if you were straight, it was like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like everyone was gay and everyone was open. And part of what I loved about living there, why I still in a lot of ways consider it home. Yeah. Yeah. And infamously, when I have talked about this on this podcast, the place I tried to come out to my parents was at New York City Pride, (laughs) where my mother famously looked at me and said, do not talk about that. Okay. We're just going to shove that back down. I know. I lived in the, in the quote unquote gay area of Columbus, Ohio. And I loved when you took me there. Yeah. But you know, I'm yeah, it's just funny, but I have to give like a little shout out to Columbus. Mm -hmm. I've, I've never been there. And, um, you know, being from, from Pennsylvania and being a Penn Stater, I was like, Columbus is not a place like, you know, I would necessarily want to go. And, um, we went back, unfortunately for your father's funeral this summer Yeah, and, you know, snuck in a little moment of, of joy. Oh yeah. I wanted to show you my old stomping grounds and yay Columbus. What a freaking gay friendly area. I was Mm -hmm. like, this is amazing. Yeah. I remember when I was there in the the late 90s, it was like, you know, so I was told like, if if you're not in San Francisco, Columbus, Ohio was the next place. Really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow. So I felt really grateful and and fortunate to be living in a a place that I didn't even know at the time. Um, Well, until it, yeah, that was so inclusive and open and I just like, I'm looking at you and I'm like, I just have this flash of like what you must've been like in your early twenties. Didn't somebody once ask you if you thought you were going to be a gay icon? And I was like, well, yeah. Oh yeah. I, I, I had an, a girlfriend who, cause there was, there was the, oh, it's, it's closed now. Um, It's called wall street. And that's where we all like would go to dance. And so every Wednesday night, you know, every, whatever there was like first Fridays or something like that too. And I was, I would go up, up on a, up, up on a table and dance and go up in my own little world. Surprise, surprise. Little, so it's like my dream. Little Alex true. Gemini. And yeah, my girlfriend r- r- ran up to the, um, the box I was dancing on and she was like, who do you think you are? A gay icon? I'm like, well, actually. I was going to say, I hope your answer was why. Yes, I am. No, <laughs> so, so many things. I, I can imagine that if I had known you then yeah, and I had been a little gay girl dancing at, um, what did you call it? Wall Street? Wall Street. I would have seen you on that box and it would have <laughs> solidified for me all of my complete and total queerness. And then I would have slunk into the corner of the room and had like an existential crisis. <laughs> I would have been completely and totally intimidated. Yeah. You're beautiful. What can I say? I would have met you and been like, I can't do this. <laughs> yeah, we met when we were supposed to yeah, meet. For we did. Sure. We did for sure. But sometimes it's fun to think about it that. Is. Like, how, if you met your partner, um, you know, like twenty years earlier than, or fifteen or five or whatever, and you're like, oh, where was I in my life at that time, and would I have completely fucked it up? And the answer for me is yes, I absolutely would have. <laughs> yeah, so I'm happy I met you when I did. I think it's fun to. I like to. I like to marry the two. Um, euphoria. I remember feeling so much euphoria and joy of being in those spaces and then to connect how I feel now with you. Like I like to imagine us in that space together. Yeah. I mean, it's, I guess, because our podcast is called how to be queer. It's, it's, it's totally okay for us to veer off topic before we get to, um, to what we wanted to talk about with just like that, but there is something so healing 
you know, when you are a queer person and you find yourself in queer spaces Yeah. and I can only describe it as like my body becomes very, very alive. Like I can feel almost like an electricity run through me Mm -hmm. and also like why it's important that we have spaces that are really for queer people. Yeah. It's not to say like straight friends that you can't come into those spaces, but you know, you have to recognize that like, we don't get a ton of spaces like that. A lot of times in space, we still are the one and the only gay people in the space. So it can always just not feel quite right to be the gay person in the space. So then when you are, when you're like, oh my God, everyone in here is like me. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder if it that's, feels amazing. Yeah. Like, like being called a gay icon. I, I was like up on the table, like, Hey everybody, I'm here too. <laughs> Like I'm, oh, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think my nose is bleeding a little bit, bleeding. you know, COVID it's fine. Keep going, yeah. Alex. <laughs> Don't bleed out, honey. I have, oh, God. sorry, let's just keep going. <laughs> yeah. But, but on that note of just like joy and, you know, you gotta, you come into spaces and you're, and you're so excited and f- f- full of joy and you celebrate yourself and everybody with you. Yeah. So yeah, if you're, if you're an ally listening, it's not to say you can't go into those spaces, but just know your, know your place when you're in them. Yeah. Don't take your straight bachelorette party to a gay bar. That irritates the fuck out of me. Yeah, please. Please don't do that. And Uh please don't think that you can come with your, and your straight relationship and think that being there is a way to like experiment Uh because that's really creepy and uncomfortable. Yeah. You are violating the safe space. You really are. <laughs> There's been a couple times, like when we've been um, at a couple different gay clubs that are downtown <clears throat> and we've been dancing mm-hmm. and I see the, the couples that come in and it's like the man and the wife and, and, you know, and listen, I get it, honey, you, you, you want to experiment and do all things like you go be you, but you and your creepy husband staring at me and my partner, like trying to like, maybe see if we'd be interested in a threesome with you or foursome or whatever it is you got, you're looking for. That's not super comfortable for us. No. Or then going to, and or going out to basically get turned on by what you're seeing and then going home. Like that's a whole lot of other creepy as well. It is a whole lot of creepy. And and let's be honest, like that is part of what happens and and why we ask for people to like, can you just let us have our space? You get all the other spaces. Yep. And you know what? There's lots of video subscriptions you can do from home. Yeah, this is <laughs> to our see swing what set. you want to see. This is my swing set. Go to your own. <laughs> this is our sandbox. We're not sharing our toys. Anyway, okay. we're, we're a little bit off course. Um, Shocking. But this, but but the show just and and just like that. So so back in the '90s, of course, they um, Sex in the City was not the most. Um, I, diverse. Do you mean to say that only white people live in New York city? (laughs) Only white, straight, rich people live. That's basically what the show showed. Yeah. That's not the New York city I lived in, you know, here, I still kind of, I still loved the show, but yeah, I mean, sex in the city famously had a huge problem with diversity and inclusion. And they, they have come out and said like, yeah, we got that wrong. So yeah. kudos for them for at least yeah. admitting and not trying to be like, Oh, no, we were totally diverse. No, you weren't. So now they're trying to like address all the social is- social, you know, justice things and issues and, and, and storyline adding in storylines that. Right. Yeah. And just like that, they're totally woke. <laughs> 
God, that word. I know. <laughs> Hold on. I've got blueberry pancakes trying to eat a course. Hold on. <laughs> You don't need to do that. <laughs> okay. So, um, but okay. So in their, you know, kind of like ways to actually show what New York city actually looks like, mm-hmm. which uh, gets filled with all sorts of different people from all sorts of different backgrounds and gender identities and all this stuff, they've added some interesting characters. Yeah. And you know, the character, like the one character I need to talk about. So there's two specific new storylines and one do you want me to say it or do you want you want to go into it do you want to start us off or do you want me to go ahead you go first about who this person is because well i'm going to lead you in a little bit okay okay you do it so alex you identify as non-binary true story how many non-binary people do you see portrayed in tv shows all sorts of things i think i can count on one hand and how many times out of that the, the the five or less how many have actually been played by a performer who is also non-binary? Um, like, yeah. No, I did. Like, yeah. It, yeah. So I want to say, like, I went for you. So there's a character, and we're going to pronounce their name as Che, Shay. I'm not exactly sure that that's, it's, they've been I saying it, it, and it's hard to hear it. Well, I remember thinking, actually, like, this just popped up. So, so it was short for Cheryl, but I remember here, I think it's Che. Che. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so Che, who is played by Sarah Ramirez, who is in real life, Mm -hmm. a non-binary human. Yep. Um, so we'll get to kind of the storyline, but first, like, can you tell me, like, how does it feel to know, like, oh my gosh, there I am up on screen yeah. And it's not even like a person pretending or playing to be like, they are actually non-binary. Yeah. So how does that feel for you? It feels really, really good. I mean, as, as more as a non-binary person, you know, in, w- when you see yourself up on the screen, like you're essentially, you know, that it's making an impact across, um, you know, well, it's making an impact and so it's like, it takes some of the labor. It feel it can feel like you take, it's take some of the emotional labor off of, off of you to like constantly explain yourself and, and it'll become, you know, but it's just like, oh yeah, there, there I am. I think it's amazing. Yeah. And I, I have to say like, you know, and, and obviously like I, this is, you know, sometimes you have your queerness like reaffirmed to you and, um, Che popped up on screen and I'm like, yeah, I'm totally gay. This all makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, and I, I will, I will say too, like Che is because we know that non-binary people don't owe anyone androgyny. Like we talked about that before on the podcast. And, but for me, like, you know, we're kind of, um, a lot resonate, a lot about Che resonates for me because, you know, they're masculine enough center. So am I. Um, they use they them pronouns, so do I. Um, anyway, so um, yeah, I'm just thinking if if there were I'm m- maybe someday there'll be a non-binary character who does not look androgynous, but right. that's a whole other rabbit hole to, to talk about later. That is, and that that's okay. actually would be kind of interesting for us to do as like a podcast in the future of just because someone identifies as non-binary does not mean that they owe you androgyny. Right. 
non-binary, you can present because androgyny is a presentation, yeah. not an identity, Yeah, which was something you taught me. Thank you. I love you. <laughs> Um, so yeah, yeah. There's still, I mean, even being married to a person who identifies as non-binary and all this, there's still a shit ton for me to learn too, because I would obviously, I'm like, oh no, this is very eye-opening to me because I think I thought for a long time, like, oh, a person is, if they're androgynous, that's part of their identity, and you're like, no, that's just a style. Yeah, it's just an expression. Yeah. Well, and I had to learn. I, I mean, I'm always I'm learning too because obviously I'm an expert in my own experience, but not every non-binary person's. I'm not a spokesperson for all non-binary people. Well, right. I mean, none of us are. <laughs> yeah. Like, I can't yeah. be a spokesperson for for all lesbians, nor would I ever want yeah. to. I can only be. Um, I could only be like, you just said it really well. I'm an expert in my own life and my own experience. Yeah. And what my own life, my own experience has taught me is I absolutely have, like, we all have types, you mm -hmm. know, and by mm -hmm. type, I know <laughs> you're so creepy. <laughs> we I all... married my type. <laughs> well, right. Cause before who was your type? Cause people will know it that listen to this. Oh, Carmen. Right. Carmen from the L word from the L word. Kimmy looks just like Carmen. Carmen has brown skin and long brown hair. Well, she's she's Latin, correct? She is Latin. Yeah. Well, I'm Italian. There you go. Anyway. Mm. Oh my gosh, you're so crazy. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> but my type being, um, I am very, I'm very attracted to non-binary people. Or trans, trans, trans mask, masculine of center, masculine people. of center. Yeah. Um, but, but yes, but non-binary. I'm like, because Che came on screen and I was like, hello. <laughs> I looked over at you during this one scene that we'll, we'll talk about really soon. And I was like, oh boy, <laughs> like both of us were, you know, resonating with the whole with scene. this whole scene. So, so just to, um, you know, so the, the, the Che is on and Che is, um, interacting with Carrie and with Miranda. So Miranda, this is so funny because Miranda is probably the character on the show that I liked the least and identified with the most. Hmm. Yeah. Cause hmm. I think Miranda kind of reflected for me. Some of the things about myself were like, she's super judgmental. She's kind of like, you know, success driven and she's not as warm as you might want her to be. Um, and so there were times where I'd be like, I fucking hate Miranda. And I hate Miranda because Miranda is like showing me all the things that like, I didn't necessarily like about myself mm. either, but I get, um, one of the things that Miranda's character discloses for you is that her, and she's, she's married to Steve. Um, they stopped having sex like years ago. Yeah. And so, um, and listen, all types of marriages look different. And if, 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 if that's what works for you, then more power to you. But I, I feel like they are crafting a storyline for Miranda where part of her, um, sexuality and discovery has really been kind of like shoved deep down yeah. and whether it's that, and I know, and I remember in the original series, Miranda at one point, um, really early on had a dinner party or something for work that she had to go to. And her boss had mistaken that she was a lesbian. Um, and then they kind of like, were hoping that Miranda was. And so she tried and then she, you know, kisses this girl who I'm like, was so cute on the show. And Miranda's like, yeah, no, I'm definitely straight. Um, so now I'm like, well, I wonder, you know, is it just that she, Miranda is, is just really attracted to Che? Yeah. So some background on, um, you can feel it. It's palpable. 
Yeah, you can definitely feel. And this is where Sarah Ramirez, like, I have to like really give it up to her because them, them, I'm so sorry. I'm such an asshole. You'd think (laughs) I'd get this fucking right. Honest to God. <laughs> That's why we're here. I love you. This is why we're here. I know. And like, if anything, people, this shows you like when you fuck it up, just keep it moving. Okay. So, um, well, apologize, acknowledge Sarah Ramirez, they, them. Okay. Let me try this again. <laughs> so Sarah has been part of, um, groundbreaking shows for some time. So she, um, oh my fucking God. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want me to read it? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I hope I'm a lesson to everyone right now that even people that live this life, you still fuck it up. So they, um, they don't uh, obviously take this role really lightly. Um, and so one of the things that they said is it was important to them that they really explore and that they made sure that Che was not just here to represent every LGBTQ community member. And they're not really there for anyone's approval. Um, Che is a character who speaks their unapologetic truth because they have done the work to get clear about who they really are. Um, they also have, they're also somebody who embraces the fluidity of life. So, um, I mean, the, the scene, do you want to describe the scene that left me sitting on the sofa, like drooling? (laughs) Sure. So, um, Carrie and Charlotte and Miranda go to Che's Netflix special where Che is performing. And afterwards, um, they leave the show. Miranda turns around and goes back to the venue and gets into like the after party kind of like, you know, like bar area. And um, you can already tell up to that point that there is some energy happening between Miranda and Che. And so Miranda comes in and Che's like, oh, you're here. And um, Che smokes a lot of, well, smokes marijuana and um, and offers some to uh, Miranda. And Miranda's like, oh, not really. Um, And then basically, but um, Che ends up shotgunning it into Miranda's mouth. And Che's lips get an, an inch from Miranda's mouth and you feel it as a, as a viewer. And I turn, <laughs> I turn to Kim during the show and her mouth is like, like open. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. I, I, I'm just going to say it. The scene was like ridiculously charged. charged. Oh yeah. In a, in a good way yeah. where sometimes you see that just the um, energy that exists between two people, whether they're faking it or I, I, I don't know what, but man, Cynthia Nixon, I know she I, um, is married to a woman in real life. And mm-hmm. I was just like, she, they nailed that scene. Like yeah. for a person that lives that life, I watched and I was like, uh-huh, Miranda, girl, I get you right now. <laughs> I totally get you. <laughs> um, and it was kind of cool because I think they play um, Shay, like Shay knows what they're doing. Oh yeah. So the one part I thought in this, in this really reminds me a lot of, cause Che was like, I'm going to, I'm going to make you feel something. And then they did <laughs> <laughs> like all the way to our little house in Colorado. I was like, you did it, Che. <laughs> Kim, you want to turn it off and go upstairs? <laughs> well, I guess I do. 
<laughs> it works in your favor, right? <laughs> anyway, um, but one of the things that I really related to also is that when Che is doing um, their Netflix special, mm-hmm. well, two things about it. One thing I liked, one thing I'm like, yeah, we're going to talk about a little bit. But one of the things I really like about the character of Jay is that when when Sarah Ramirez is describing it and it's like, oh, no, like they've done a ton of work. Yeah, they're really authentically themselves and they carry it off with such confidence and energy and they're magnetic totally reminds me of you. Mm. And I also want to say, like, that is you have a lot of women that are attracted to you. And I think it's that energy, Mm. that like confidence and that ownership you have of yourself, which in a way it is different than a lot of people I know, because you had to dig into parts of yourself that were not, you know, you're not, you're, you're going against the stream. Yeah. And so it does come across like super, super, super magnetic to be around a person that is so sexy and comfortable and confident in their skin. And that's the thing about Che Mm -hmm. that you're just like, for me, and then the same way with you, you know, you just sit there and you're like, oh my God, like they're totally freaking magnetic. So I loved that they portray Che this way, where it's not someone like uncomfortable or figuring, because I know that that's a part of it, but they're showing someone on the other side of it. And that confidence is just so attractive which reminds me of you. Um, but the thing I, well, do you have anything you want to say add to that? Oh, I'm just listening. Yeah. But the thing I didn't like. Yeah. Is the same thing that you kind of watched and you were like, mm. yeah, I mean, so, so they, so they play into the narrative that, um, you know, there's, for me, this is like two things or three things can exist at the same time. So they're, so they're playing into the, into the narrative that that LGBTQ people um, are over over sexual or they are they over sexualize the character. At the same time, humans are we are sexual beings. But you know, the, if you have a snap, you have if you have a snapshot or a, or a couple minutes to showcase who someone is, they drop you right into the in, into. Um, Chase Netflix show where they're talking about how many people they fucked and if and then joking that you know how many people in that room did they fuck and then how many people did in that room fucked them and I was like okay this doesn't feel and it and it just just for me it rubbed up against um a, a vein I guess because I spent so much of my life thinking that I was only my body. And so I was like, don't, don't do this to another non-binary person. Like you are more than that. You are, you know, like, but at the same time, it's like, well, it's just also humanness. It's, it's It's, layered. It's, it's layered. And I kind of see it as like a little bit of a double-edged sword, Yeah, you know, like on one hand, yeah. Like you're non-binary and, or you're queer or whatever, however you want to identify. And you know what? Like, yeah, we have sex and it's, it's a wonderful, fulfilling part of our life, but it's also not all that we are. Right. Straight people make gay people. <laughs> Straight people make gay people. Gay people can make gay people. Gay people yeah. Um, exactly. But it, there, there is, you know, and we know, we know this, that a lot of times, especially in media portrayals and, um, and then also in the way that straight people interact with us, it does come down a lot to what do you do with your body? Like, and and really being queer is about all sorts of different parts of our life. Sex is just one part of it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, there's, there's like anybody like straight people, your life is not just about who you have sex with. It's a part of your life. I'm sure. Um, or it's not, and you're looking to make it a part of your life, but a lot of times in the portrayal of, of, of queer people and the way straight people interact with us, it tends to narrow down to that people are very curious about what sex is like and what you do and who you do it with and how you do it. Yeah. I'm like, well, yeah, I get it. It's interesting, but it's not like, why do we have to, the the hyper-focus sometimes is, is still around the sexualization of queer people, which really is driven from a very dangerous bias that people have. Mm -hmm. Um, and this goes back, you know, many, 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 many eons ago that we, you know, saw, and I think mostly, you know, it's a little bit around the way that we view gay men as being like sex crazed. Mm -hmm. And then it kind of jumps to like dangerous really quickly. And that's a really dangerous narrative to paint queer people with, because believe me, we don't walk around thinking we want to have sex with you. Right. That is the last fucking thing we're thinking. Have you seen most people? Like (laughs) we're not walking around thinking that I guarantee it. And it goes, I mean, this goes back to a story um, for you and I years ago when we were um, out with a woman who identified as straight. Yeah. And she was telling us how, when she goes to a straight bar, no one hits on her. She doesn't understand. She doesn't understand why. And I'm like, right. Because you have this bias that you think by going into a gay bar, that it's going to be this sex crazed. Everybody's going to want to have sex with you. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, people just have to look at you for one second. They're like, I don't want to have sex with her. Right. Or, you know, like Mm -hmm. the assumption that somehow you're around gay people and everyone wants to have sex with you. Like you need to check your biases if you are living with that assumption, because nobody wants to have sex with you. And then she got mad. She got very mad. She got mad when we were like, yeah, anyway, that's a whole other. It's a whole other thing, but because sometimes people listen to us because they want to learn how to be really good allies. Yep. Um, let's be honest. Like when I pointed that out to her, Oh, she lost her shit. She lost her shit in a way that was like, this is a fucking epic meltdown. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell the whole fucking story. Please do. Let's, let's go for it. So he- here's Kim's lesson today and how, <laughs> how to not be an asshole. <laughs> so as I stated, we, we were out with this woman. She was straight. She wanted to come to a gay bar with us. We take her to the gay bar. She gets upset that no one is hitting on her. Yeah. And I'm like, you understand that that's like a pretty dangerous, like bias that you have. Yeah. And she um, was very angry. She did not like that. No. And a couple of days later, when Alex <sighs> called her on it again, around some of the things that she were saying, she was saying that was really anti-queer. She came into a place where Alex teaches Mm-hmm. She was wearing a poncho, which is honestly the best fucking part of the story. I mean, who fucking wears? And it was in August. She was like four foot nothing. Like she was just anyway. She came up on on the on the stage and got over me and shoved her finger in my face. I'm like, oh, this is gonna go well for you. Literally stood over top of you. You are what five foot nine? Yeah. And she is four foot eleven. Yeah. <laughs> she I was, was crouching. And, and again, people, she's wearing a poncho. She's wearing a poncho. <laughs> like a knit one, like a shrug poncho in August and decides to get the higher ground over Alex to stand on Alex's stage, pointing their finger. And this is in front of a hundred people. They're yep. waiting for a class to start. Yeah. She thought she was going to get me. 
And, you know, I am not anti-gay. I'm like, you're doing a really good job of showing us how inclusive and safe you are. Right. And then stormed off to your boss. Stormed out of the room, marched herself downstairs, right into into the general manager's office, complained that I was this, you know, horrendous person. To which your boss was like, you're welcome to leave the club, which was awesome. Yeah. They, they, well, and she even like put her own, she, you know, stopped her membership and yeah. Anyway. So c- c- congrats to her for showing us how truly inclusive of a person she oh is. I think she may have mentioned to us that she had other gay friends too, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can't, obviously, if you have gay friends, you're welcoming to all gay people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I even said to her, I'm like, did you just play the I have a black friend card? Because I think you did. <laughs> you sure did. <laughs> so lesson in being an ally when someone, um, a, a part of, you know, a community or anyone says to you, like, I think it's kind of like a dangerous, like narrative that you're thinking you might want to like check that bias. The answer is do not put on a poncho <laughs> and do not run into a gay person's class, stand your four foot 11 body over them and start throwing a giant sized toddler fit in your poncho. Yeah. It's not going to be a good look for you. What you need to say is, oh my God, I didn't realize I had that bias. Let me try again and do better. Yeah. There's our lesson today. Yep. Yep. I'll just, I'll keep it there. Cause I, there's a, there's always multiple layers to a story and there's lots of, there's a perspective that I had that with that whole experience. Well, now I want to know. Well, it was more from a, you know, um, a workplace safety, um, um, how, how does an organization and we don't have to go down this, you know, but, but how does an organization, um, show up? for an employee who's being harassed by a member and who do you really support in that situation? Oh, I definitely think that's an entire podcast episode, Uh, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Because it could have gone, um, in a very different direction. Yeah, it could have, but it didn't. And for that, I think we're both really grateful because I mean, I have to say like, I, I, never in my life on my bingo card though, did I have four foot 11 woman wearing a <laughs> poncho in August trying to attack my partner. She's basically, uh, yeah, anyway. Not on my bingo card. Not, on, my bingo Not card. on your bingo card either. Okay. Okay. Do we want to, do we need to pause for a minute or do we, did we say everything? Well, the other part of it, just like that though, like you might want to talk about a little bit is the parenting moments with Charlotte and her kids. Yeah. I was going to move on to that stuff. Um, so then the other narrative happening or not narrative storyline is um yeah charlotte has a kid there's lily and rose and rose lily is like a a concert pianist and i think she's the older one yeah she is yeah and then and then rose is is younger and rose is um so charlotte the scene is charlotte and rose charlotte's putting rose to bed charlotte is reading Rose a story and then just says, you know, okay, good night, baby girl. And then Rose is probably maybe like a preteen, like I would 12, guess her, I would guess her to be middle school age. Like middle school age. And says to Charlotte, um, I don't like it when you call me that. And um uh referring to the girl part, not the baby part, but the but the girl part. And so um Charlotte goes, Oh, well, oh, and, and then says, I don't feel like a girl. 
And then Charlotte goes, well, I don't, sometimes I don't feel like a girl. And I was like, oh, Charlotte, just, just stop. Yeah. It was a very real moment. Go ahead. Yeah. But I, I also, you know, as it's, it's very, I also appreciate the whole thing because it's very real. It's, it's, and I said this very pinky because it's on the table. Um, how, you know, a well-intended parent is navigating something very new for them and, you know, um, that they love their child. They want to uh, support them. And also the, pro- it's, it's messy. Yeah. Sometimes. I mean, you could tell in the moment. I, 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 it, so here's what I appreciated about it, which is, is kind of what you're saying that and number one, apparently just like that is, is, and just like that, we woke up, right. And we're very woke. So every oh. character that comes in has to have that some like check the box of, yeah. of, I am not in the heteronormative or white world. So yay producers, you found another one. Yeah. So Rose, um, so I'm, I'm happy that they're showing this, right. Because we know that visibility is important, but what I do like about it is they're not making Charlotte show up. Perfect. Perfect. Right. And so, yeah, I think probably that the way that Charlotte responds, it's like, yeah, that, that is, it it makes a whole lot of sense Mm -hmm. that as a, as a parent, you might be like, oh, well, you know, I don't feel that way either. Cause you're trying to like, you're not alone. You're not alone child. I'm here too. And I'm going to, you know, not make you feel weird and alone and all this stuff. But at the same time, it's not, you know, you, you definitely watch it and you cringe a little bit being like, Charlotte, couldn't you come up with something better, but it's real. It's real. And, and, and as, as you know, like you, you watch it and it's no judgment, but you're like, you end up holding, holding the space for Charlotte. Exactly. And not Rose. And not Rose. Mm -hmm. So, um, and yes, Charlotte's the main character. Rose is not, but also so, and then so fast, should we fast forward to like the the concert scene. Yeah. Cause I, I like the, I like the way Harry showed up in a bit. Yeah. Tell everyone what happened at the concert. So Charlotte got, so, so Lily is going to perform um, her, her concert pianist thing that she does. And so it's very fancy and they all get dressed up and, and, and Charlotte gets them all Oscar mask matching Oscar de, de la Renta dresses. And because, you know, that's what my mother got me. <laughs> My mother got me Laura Ashley dresses. So I'm just... I think I got Holly Hobby. Oh yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, um, so Charlotte wants Rose to wear these dresses. L- Lily puts hers on. Rose is like, I don't want to wear that. And, um, so there, there, she's trying to, Charlotte's trying to get Rose to wear it. Sorry. There's a kitten on the table again. Um, and Sorry. So, um, so right. And then so Harry Rose comes is like, in. I'm not wearing this. And yeah. Harry comes in and Harry comes in and just says, um, like just for this one time, like just wear this one. So you see them both kind of going back and forth, like how basically they're trying to figure out how to collaborate on both of them being heard. Yeah. So I loved it. Cause Harry does come in and Harry's like, let her wear what she wants to wear. It's yeah. a freaking dress. Who cares? But as we know, Charlotte, this stuff does really matter to her. Right. And so then they flash to the next scene and Lily's in her dress. Charlotte's in her dress. Rose is in her dress, mm-hmm. but she is wearing a tuxedo t-shirt Yeah, and a, <laughs> beanie. And a beanie. And I was like, you rock it out there non-binary rose. Yeah. I love it. Blueberry pancakes is, is insisting on being <laughs> on top of the table. 
blueberry pancakes is problematic because <laughs> Tuki is just sitting here sleeping on my lap. Oh. Okay. Anyway. So I guess to close out and just like that, I, I am super curious to see where they go. I am praying for a sex scene, a non, like a sex scene with, I'm like, I cannot wait to see if they do that because you and I are going to have to like rewind, rewatch, rewind, <laughs> rewatch. It's going to work out in your favor. Yeah. Well, and I kind of think you know, they're going to, because Charlotte then goes to her, the friend who's gay, Anthony. Anthony, and says, what do I do about my kid? And then, um, but I kind of think there's going to be some stepping stones to somehow connecting Rose and maybe Rose and Che or yeah, like, because be awesome. they both have. So anyway, all in support of allyship. Yeah. I mean, either way, like if you're not watching it, look, it's hugely problematic. Just like the first version of mm -hmm. the show was like, you know, they, they, but I do, I, I gotta give them credit, even though it feels kind of performative that every single character is showing up in some way that we're checking off a diversity box. Look, at least they've got a non-binary person playing a non-binary character. Um, they are kind of making them mess it up and be kind of ugly in all of it. And that feels really organic and real blueberry pancakes is back on the table. Um, so yeah, if you're not watching, check it out. Okay. Is let's that pause. wind? I think it's wind. Oh, wow. Okay. It's windy today. Okay. We have a little bit more to go, but yeah. we're going to, are we, are we pausing? I mean, I could, I could definitely take a pause. Do you want to take a pause? Let's take a let's pause. Take a pause. Okay. We'll be right back. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> did you have a nice break? I did. You got yourself some food. I did. I had to eat a rice cake and some peanut butter. So speaking of eating, Alex, mm -hmm. how's that for a segue? <laughs> speaking of eating, so we, um, well, Kim found this this uh, podcast. Um, oh my gosh, another cat. When you're when you're up when you're up searching for the end of the internet, sometimes. <laughs> In the middle of the night, you poor thing, because you can't sleep. That, that that literally was. Well, no, it was two part. Like it's the it's the week before New Year's. Yeah. And suddenly, my social media feed oh. turns into everybody okay. trying to shame me into losing weight. So I've gotten advertisements for pills. I've gotten advertisements for Noom, for anything that is about capitalizing on shame around my body so that yeah. they can make a buck. They started advertising to me. And so in the middle of the night when I couldn't sleep, I was just like reading up on um, diet, uh, diet culture, diet shaming culture. Mm -hmm. And I came across a gem. Yes. Let me tell everyone what it is. This is a podcast called Maintenance Phase by Aubrey Gordon and Michael Hobbs. And basically they um, have these fascinating conversations that debunk the junk science behind health fads, wellness scams, and nonsensical nutrition advice. Um, Aubrey and Michael are very interesting people, um, very, very uh, captivating to listen to. And also Aubrey is... Um, she is, is an inter there's there, one of the intersections of her identity. She's queer and she's fat, fat being her word and fat being her word. So she goes into that word and yeah. Do you want to, do you want to yeah, keep going? Like, I think this, so there's a couple things about this that, that stood out to me and, and for you being a queer person and also a fitness professional, mm -hmm. um, I was like, Alex, you've got to listen to this. Yeah. And so there's, there's a couple of things on the podcast that I think are becoming more widely known. Like 
one of them being that the BMI, the way that we typically determine whether or not a person is, um, you know, in a weight, in a weight category that they should be is, is complete bullshit. Yeah. And Aubrey and Michael walk you through, um, not even just, it, it is, it is incredibly, um, racist where it's, it's based off of, um, one, well, and it's sexist. It's, mm-hmm. it's every ist you can imagine every ism you can imagine, yeah. but yet has still commonly been used to determine our health, our overall health. Yes. And, and I like that they talk about the difference between weight and health. They are s- separate. They are, se- they're very separate and they walk you through. And then the other thing that Aubrey does around this word fat, which I'm like, this is really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, she uses the word fat because she's like, because I am like, that's just, that's my body shape. My yeah. body shape is what you would describe as fat. And that when people, um, meet her, she's somewhere in the conversation with them very, um, early on refers to herself as fat because yeah. she wants to be like, you can refer to me as fat. Like, that's what I am. She just disarms the she whole, totally disarms it. And then to say like, it's, you know, it's also this like gaslighting thing that happens where like, we don't want to say that someone's fat. Yeah. So we'll be like, oh, well they're curvy or they're big bones. And it's like, we'll go to these extents to try to avoid saying the word fat. And she's like, but I am. Yeah. And it doesn't have to take on this charged notion with it. Like my body shape is that I'm fat. That's what I am. I call myself fat. You can call me fat, Mm -hmm. but she, most people might know her if you are, um, you know, like an avid, an avid reader, maybe you, you'll know her as she wrote under the pen name for a long time, my fat friend. Yeah. And then finally started doing this podcast where she uses her full name. Um, but, but anyway, so if you're, if you are, and I think for you and I just kind of, we were listening to it together while we were waiting to get our COVID test for like an hour and a half. Yeah. But when we were listening to it, we both really started to dismantle um, because sometimes our podcast is around allyship and um, authenticity and all these things and that identifying that we both um, were, were raised in very fat phobic homes growing yeah. up, that we both have a bit of um, fat phobia. And I was, I was saying to you, every New Year's yeah. since the th- time, I think I was probably like 12 years old. Yeah. I have entered into the new year with a resolution of losing weight. Yeah. And Alex, I have never been a person that needed to lose weight. Mm-hmm. So what does that tell me? that tells me that I have bought hook, line and sinker into a absolutely crazy capitalist money machine world that has capitalized on my own phobias to make me convinced that I am a person that needs to constantly be at war with my body. Yeah. And I started listening to maintenance phase and now I kind of look at those ads and I'm like, not today, Satan, not today, Satan. I have figured you out. I have yeah. cracked the code. I have been conditioned to think that there is something constantly wrong with me and wrong with my body when in fact there is not. Mm-hmm. So it feels really good. So I wanted to share it with people like, please go and listen to this podcast because it's fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. But one of the things we also learned from this podcast that Aubrey told us, and I'm like, now I'm like real deep into like, you, you know me, I love to search everything to the ends of the internet. Aubrey shared um, that we, that when we think about obesity and we think about, you know, fatness, that there has been multiple studies about this, that lesbian and bisexual women are more at risk for obesity 
and not like one study. Like if you if listeners go to your phone and I need you to Google lesbians and fat, and you will see no shortage of studies that have come up that we have been trying to study the crap out of women who love other women and that I guess have a body shape that is not what society is going to say is super, super skinny. I mean, this is problematic the whole time I'm reading through but this. But why are there not studies about straight women in fat? I don't know. They just say that, I mean, it is a mind boggling to me when I Googled this, <laughs> like how many studies are being spent on lesbians and their bodies. So many layers here. There's so many layers here. And so there's been, um, I so said, they're looking at the relationship between sexual orientation and boss, bo- that body mass index BMI, which I've already disclosed is really fucking problematic because yeah. BMI means nothing. And so there's all these theories of like, why people that they're quote unquote are in a sexual minority, um, are ending up to be heavier. So it's, you know, there's been lots of different studies around this, but the findings they're saying are not a surprise. And so what they want to do is they want to start researching into why, which they don't necessarily have. So one of the, um, main sort of, uh, consistent things that they have found is that, Lesbian and bisexual women often view being thin as conforming to mainstream beauty ideals, which are quote unquote made by men for men. (laughs) So it's suggesting, um, that if you, if you are essentially queer women, and I I definitely identify with this. If you are a queer person that identifies as being a woman or female, you have already confronted your place in this world that does not fit within the mainstream. You have already said, yeah, I'm going to fuck conformity and I'm just going to go and do these things. So why not say, fuck you to all of the things that are forcing women to look a certain way and to conform to this image of beauty that essentially has been made by men and then upheld by men and other women. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know. This was fascinating to me. I'm sure, I don't know for a non-binary person, but you also work within the industry of fitness and healthcare. Like how does this hit you? Um, well, I was as, as a, as a fitness person, I have dealt with my own, you know, issues with my body. And I think, well, the, I'll just use like, I'll just go to the tagline or the, the line I use in my classes is do the best you can with the body that brought you in there. So I don't want it to be about how much you weigh or what you look like. You just, can you move your body? Are you enjoying it? Um, but then also, <laughs> oh man. It's really, yeah. la- it's really layered. Yeah. Um, because by no means when I'm saying like, Hey, I'm listening to this podcast, which is really kind of breaking down for me, like why, um, why I have struggled for decades. I mean, really, I, I don't remember ever not struggling with my weight. Yeah. Um, I don't remember really any days where I haven't woken up and somewhere my body and what I weigh has come into focus. Like, and, and you had done me a really good favor one, a couple months ago where you took my scale away from me Mm -hmm. because I was recognizing that I would step on my scale in the morning and the number that would show up would absolutely 
impact how joyful the rest of my day was going to be. Yeah. And you finally were like, you need to get rid of your fucking scale and you need to just wake up every day and be like, how do you feel in your body? And quite honestly, like nine times out of 10, if I go by how I feel, I actually feel pretty good. Yeah. And I feel pretty good because I do take care of myself. Yeah. That's your, yeah, your health. That's my health, yeah. not my weight. Right. And so making that shift in my head of how do I feel, not how do I, what do I weigh? Um, has really started to help me heal certain parts of my life. Now mm-hmm. I say this and I'm like, I got a long ass way to go. Um, but I, I definitely relate to when they're talking about like why they keep studying lesbians and obesity. And I definitely relate it back to, because these are people who have already broken out of a conformity in some way. Mm-hmm. And so weight and beauty and the ideal of the way that we think of beauty has already like that's their next frontier, right? Like that's the next step to this. Like if you've broken one conformity, why not break them all? Yeah. You're giving me that look. I'm, no, I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting with you. Some, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You were going to say something. Oh, no, I'm with, I'm just, I, I, I will imagine what you're saying when you're, as you're saying it. And then it like, <laughs> and then I stop my own thoughts and you're like, what about, like, what do you think? I'm like, I don't know. I don't have any thoughts right now. You don't have any thoughts no, about I body do. conformity. <laughs> no, I do. Um, I think I kind of, I guess I just don't know where to start. Um, you know, listening to the podcast, I realized all of the, all of the ways that I still subscribe to in ways I didn't even realize of, of, of the fear of being a f- the, the fear of being fat of, 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 of my own level of like fat phobia. Um, and, oh, um, I mean, it was liberating listening to this, to this podcast. And then, you know, with her talking about, I guess the, the, the inclusion piece came into, into, into mine when she was talking about like the studies that people have done and, you know, like n- n- none of them included fat people. Like none of them, none of, none of the, the discussions or the rules or the, you know, were like included the voices of people who are like, yes, I'm fat. Um, and. Yeah. I mean, in these, in these studies that they're looking at, like, is particularly the ones around like, you know, sexual orientation. I mean, they're looking at sexual orientation and BMI. That's what they're looking at mm-hmm. when those two things, if your BMI is in a certain category and your sexual orientation is they're, they're just finding that more people that have a sexual orientation that is not heteronormative and identify as female tend to be obese. Yeah. And I'm like, that's, but so it's not necessarily studying the why it's just categorizing. Yeah. And so then you, you can start to draw, um, you could start to sort of draw an anecdotal, you know, information here of well, why would so many people that identify this way be obese? But remember, obese—they're determining by a BMI, which is completely faulty. I mean, according to BMI, I am like I am, morbidly obese. I'm obese, right? yeah, because how much I weigh um, and and how tall I am. But it, yeah, it just, it just, yeah. And you're like a solid freaking muscle. <laughs> Yeah. Your abs have abs. <laughs> what did I say to you one day? I'm like, I didn't know there were 12 abs. 
<laughs> like it's true. Like, so I just, I think with this, um, I, again, I just put it out there for, you know, when we're coming into the new year, um, listeners, you get what I'm talking about. Yeah. It's in, it's in commercials. It's in television. It's on the radio. It's on your social media feeds. It is fucking everywhere. It's like, um, it's like Omicron, right? It's like this variant. Yeah. It feels like it's just everywhere. And it's the multi-level marketing companies that do it. It's mm-hmm. the well-meaning people that, that push and sell those products that have been convinced that they're doing some type of good and service for society. And really what all these things are doing is capitalizing on our shame. They're yeah. making you feel like you are not good enough. Yeah. Now that again is very different than your health. You should be focused on your health. You should be focused on taking care of yourself. You should be focused on putting things into your body and doing things with your body that are good for you. Yeah. But none of that has anything to do with your weight. Your weight is a byproduct of that. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's not. Mm-hmm. Sometimes your body is just what it is. And that doesn't necessarily mean that you're unhealthy. Yeah. There are skinny people who are unhealthy and fat people who are healthy. So I loved that this podcast just really starts to, to, to call it out in a way that yeah. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the episodes that I really, really liked, and for anyone who's a Gen X or this memory is probably in your head too, but it was Oprah and the wagon of fat. Remember, do you oh. remember that or were you too young? Um, I just, I remember o- always hearing a lot about Oprah's weight journey. Yeah. I mean, in, in Oprah, it, so, so listeners who may remember this, let me, let me jog your memory. And then, um, if you didn't see it, you know, Oprah, Oprah went on, um, a diet at one point and I forget the name of the diet, but it was essentially a liquid diet that she goes on. Right. And it's something like 60, 90 days, something like that, that she goes on where she three times a day drinks a shake. And that shake is like 400, not even four. It's like 400 calories a day is what they drop her down to. Yeah. So I think like each one of the shakes is maybe like 150 calories and she loses like almost 70 pounds of weight. And on her show, they basically like package up what that looks like an animal fat, like animal fat of the same amount that she Mm. lost. And she puts on these super tight, skinny jeans and she rolls the wagon out for everyone to see like that used to be on her body. Yeah. And she talks about, you know, her weight loss and all this, like something like the, so the, the, the jeans that she put on were like a size 10 or something. Yeah. And she looks really skinny when she does this. Yeah. And so she is famously admitted to that. She filmed that episode and the next day started eating again. And by the end of the week, the jeans didn't fit. Mm -hmm. So the podcast kind of goes into like, what were, what are some of the cultural impacts, um, for anybody that watched it? Yeah. And, um, just how obsessive we have become about weight and Mm -hmm. obesity, which is not the same as health. Right. Yeah. And it's hard if you're not aware of it, it's really hard to separate out. I mean, it's like a, can be a conscious daily effort to, you know, do the things that make you forget about weight, just, you know, bring it back to your body. Well, when you were doing a lot of like personal training, what did you find like people would come to you for? Was it mostly weight loss? 
Because I remember you telling me that you would not work with people that were really just focused on like they just wanted to lose weight. My, yeah, my, my journey as a trainer ebbed and was a roller coaster. Um, and what my focus was, I was, I worked with all different kinds of people and I I definitely like look back and how I, in in my approach and my philosophy, um, you know, evolved as I got older and, 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 and learned more, um, in my twenties, it was very much like, I want to basically, I want to work out. I want to train people who look like me, who, um, who have the same quote unquote motivation as me, who want to, um, get big and buff and, and, and build muscle because that was really familiar. Um, you know, I've, but I've worked with all different kinds of people. Um, I had people come to me cause I, in my own journey, like I've, you know, um, the most I ever weighed was when I had, had kids and, you know, so I, I've lost weight and gained muscle and all these different things over, over, over time. And, um, people coming to me and say, well, I want to look like you. And that always like really was hard to digest. Cause I'm like, but you're not me, you're, you're you. So what does your body need? Um, I was, you know, subscribing or, or prescribing like nutrition plans and diet plans. I'm like, food is like, I can tell you to, to eat low carbohydrate and high protein and you'll probably lose weight. But like, it was, it was always this idea of like, I had a hard time, um, training. I had a hard time uh, because it was just like, it's not a one size it's not even like a bad phrase to use a one size fits all like because being human is not so like I would just go up in the clouds like I do with fucking everything else and I'm like I I can't tell you what (laughs) I can I can yeah but I also want to acknowledge too that that body image and and taking on a certain um, exercise or eating regime for people who are transitioning or have transitioned is actually a super supportive part of transitioning. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yes, because, oh gosh, because, you know, having, f- feeling safe in your body is important. Feeling, um, having access to a gym is a, is a, is a privilege being able to go into a gym as a trans person and feel safe is, um, you know, it should be a, a, a given, like it should, but but it, it doesn't happen. So a lot of times if you're a trans or non-binary person, you just avoid gyms um, because they really just cater to uh, a certain, well, they really just, you know, market to a cisgender person, regardless of sexuality. Um, so, but for, and then go one layer deeper for me, because yeah. I, I understand what you're saying that like, you know, gyms are definitely set up in a, a cisgendered heteronormative way. Yeah. Um, and, but if I am, if I am a person who's identifying as trans masculine or trans feminine, that there is ways that I can exercise my body to help affirm my identity. Yeah. I mean, it's all, it go, it, I, I really hate to, because it's for me as a trans person who is masculine, masculine of the center for me, I feel my best when I am lifting heavy weights and, um, working out and that, that affirms me. And, um, I do think exercise is important for, for everyone 
just because of the, of the health benefits it gives. I mean, walking, you can, you know, if you walk 20 minutes a day, like you're already improving your heart health. So, um, which makes you live longer. So, um, you know, I think it's, it's that, it's that intersection of like, you know, your gender identity. And if you want to look a certain way, but also are you doing it to look a certain way or just to, to feel better in your body and be like, I, I am celebrating my body because of what it, of what it does. Mm-hmm. And I love that message, right? Yeah. That that's where after, you know, 40, I mean, I turned 46 in like a week, but after, you know, I'm going to say 40 years probably mm-hmm. of, cause I remember starting to get messages about my body when it was really, really little, because mm-hmm. I had a very, very skinny sister. And I was, you know, as my grandma Lucy famously would do, would smack me on my ass and tell me I was eating too many raviolis. <laughs> Love you grandma. Um, but as a person, you know, I've spent probably 40 years obsessed with the shape of my body, Yeah. the framing of celebrate what your body can do for you. And that's health. Yeah. That's health. Yeah. I think, and then when I think about being as a fitness instructor, so I've been a a fitness instructor longer than I have been a trainer and, you know, fitness studios are lined with mirrors and, you know, mirrors happened after humans came, came around. So like, there's that one double-edged sword, I guess, again, like you can, you can use the mirror therapy and stare at yourself and, and, and make yourself stare at yourself and all these things and be like, you know, this is me, or you can say, fuck it. And, and just be in the studio and, um, enjoy what your body is doing. But when you're in a, a gym and when you're in a fitness, so you, you, that they're, they're literally lined with, with mirrors. So it's, it's really just kind of, yeah, there's a whole bunch happening. I have to say, you know, when, when I go, I do a a number of different types of exercise, but one of the types that I do is I do go to dance Yeah, and it is aligned with mirrors and I purposely never look. Yeah. And this is just my own journey. This is my Mm -hmm. own thing that I'm working on because inside my body, what I'm feeling when I'm dancing is joy. Mm -hmm. And sometimes then when I see myself in the mirror, I'm like, I am so fucking awkward <laughs> or, Oh, yeah. I don't like the way that, you know, my, my stomach looks here, or my arms, or I wish, and I'm automatically like circling the drain of thoughts. Yeah. And so not seeing myself in a mirror helps me stay connected to my body and to joy in that moment. Yeah. And that being said, I've been in your class for, you know, how many, however many years I've been going. And there's a lot of people in there mm-hmm. that they like stare themselves down in that mirror, but I don't necessarily think they're having a circle of the drain thoughts. Mm. Right. Like they're like, I look fucking good. Or like, cause you can tell, right. Yeah. Like you can tell and, and how they're doing. Well, I mean, you never really know what someone else is thinking. I'm making an assumption based off of their body language. They're smiling, all this stuff. And I'm like, that's really fucking empowering for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. To see the reflection of like, you know, how they feel and what they look like. I'm like, I want to be them. Like, how do you get to that? Yeah. Where I'm in joy inside my head, inside my body, and I'm seeing it reflected in a mirror. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm going to keep working on it. Well, and as an instructor, like I, in the 20, I've been teaching since like what, nine ninety eight, And I have, I can't remember. I, I don't teach to the mirror. Like I don't say, okay, everybody look in the mirror um, in terms of like technique or like what we're doing. Um, 
we, I do a thing called mirror imaging in, in, in teaching where, you know, I'm going left and you're going right. So I, you know, as an instructor, we learn to say, go right when I'm going left, you know, kind of stuff. That would be the worst fucking teacher. So as an instructor, like I, I do the least amount of looking at myself in the mirror. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my energy and, and I am mirror imaging the class. And so like, but I've turned around sometimes when maybe choreo is kind of funky or just like, you know, when, um, one, Hey, like watch my feet. This is like, and you do the eight counts and, and, and you break stuff down. But, um, I mean, I've caught glimpses of myself in the mirror, like being up there on the stage. And I'm like, Oh, I don't want to and then I turn myself back around. Like it sends, as you just said earlier, like, you know, you can be so happy and full of joy and, and in having this ex- whole experience. And then the, the unfortunate, like you catch one wrong glance of yourself in the mirror and it just like goes into, so how do you get yourself, you know, out of that? Or just what do we do to stay in that bubble of joy in our bodies? I don't know. I, I know one thing we have a platform here and, um, part of what, you know, I like using our platform for us to break down heteronormativity Mm-hmm. I like breaking down um, areas where where things can feel oppressive, and 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 a lot of times, like those of us that have participated in oppressing others, where we may not have been aware that we were, yeah. right? So, and, and no shame and no judgment, unless you know that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, yeah. But for for those of us, you know, I I really do believe that almost all of us are doing the best that we can at any given moment. Yeah. Okay, but one of the things I want to use this platform for. Because I know from the age of six of being constantly felt and told in some way that my body was not good enough. Yeah. And how that has left quite a mark on me where at many times it did rob me of probably a lot of joy, mm-hmm. a lot of connection with other people. And I'm just kind of done. Yeah. And so if you see me and maybe you see me in one of our classes, um, come along with me and trying to break down some of that. I mean, it's trauma, you know? Yeah. I was sharing with, um, with you yesterday, some of the messages that I had gotten around my body mm-hmm. and some of the trusted adults, especially when I was a child. And I mean, not my parents, I mean, like teachers, gym teachers, oh, like, yeah. like trusted adults, um, saying things to me about my body. And on so many levels, we could go down rabbit holes with this and maybe we will in future episodes, but was it, you know, I don't know how to break the cycle of people feeling that they have a right to ever comment on a young girl, especially on her body and what she looks like. Yeah. Even if it's a fucking compliment. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, when are we going to get it through our heads that we are more than our physical body? And that when we resort someone down to that, even when you think it's a compliment, yeah, it's not. Yeah. It's not. So I get really, I think sometimes bristly too. Um, I don't want people to comment on what my daughter looks like. Mm-hmm. She is so much fucking more than that. 
please mm-hmm. don't resort her down to it. Now, is she, does it also feel good to, of course, hear like, I think you're beautiful. Yeah. Of course it does. And so I know as a mother, I very much focus on saying to both of, uh, to all of the kids, you are beautiful and. Yeah. And. Yeah. Let's focus on what those ands are. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm going to keep talking about it. I'm going to keep using this platform to, to really dismantle the trauma that we put on ourselves and we put on each other. And especially in the month of January, you're probably going to hear me talk about this a lot because January is that time of year when go click on your television and tell me what you see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Go through your social media feeds. Tell me how many times are you, how many times is someone advertising something to you? that is capitalizing off of making sure you feel like you are not enough. Yeah. Well, one of the takeaways that Aubrey talked about in, in the podcast was, you know, the assumption that we, we see people who are fat and assume they want to lose weight or they're trying to, and all of the things that she's been um, basically yelled at from across the street or from a car or from in a doctor's office, like um, that, like, you know, these horrible messages about, you know, you're lazy or you're not trying very hard or like, because the, 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 I, we have set up this ideal that you, you know, we all must be need to be thin. And, um, you know, so I guess, especially, well, coming into the new year, like, you know, if you go into the gym and you're going to see all sorts of, or you're, or even not, not, in, not even in the gym, it doesn't even matter where you see people, like never assume anything. Like people are on their own journey. Like if they're moving their body, that's all you, it doesn't even like matter and, and what they look like and just don't comment. <laughs> just never comment. Just, you should never comment. Even if you think you're giving them compliment, like, yeah, you keep going. Like you'll, you'll get there. Like, like who said anything about, I was trying, a, to, trying get to get somewhere. Maybe I just want to move my body. I'm happy with my body. Maybe I'm not trying to lose weight. Maybe like you need to keep your fucking words to yourself. <laughs> I mean, it's just that sometimes. So, um, Yeah. Yeah. Just to break down like that last part about like the, the, I just want to like highlight for people. So the, the one comment that has stuck with me my whole life yeah, was when I was in high school, I, um, and, and, and truthfully, like I have consistently my entire life, except when I was pregnant and for a very brief time in my twenties, where I did kind of go through something difficult and, and, and being, I, I kind of, I did gain a lot of weight, which I wasn't happy about, but I ended up taking it off through running. But when I was in high school and pretty much my whole life, I've always fluctuated somewhere between like a size six and a size eight, right? Like my body doesn't really change that much. Mm-hmm. And so when I was in high school, it was probably about a size eight. And I went and I joined, um, one of my, my closest friends played field hockey. I was like, you should totally join the field hockey team. It's so much fun. And my inner lesbian was like, Where? no, I'm kidding. <laughs> I didn't know. I, just, I didn't know at that point. Um, but anyway, so I joined the field hockey team, like a total cliche. I also played softball, but I'm bump. But when I joined the field hockey team, the first thing that they have you do is like, basically field hockey is like, you are running with a stick and a ball. Like that's field hockey. Mm-hmm. It's just running constant running. And so our warm up, we would practice twice a day. And the warm up is like, you go and you run a mile. Yeah. So guess what fucking happened? Yeah. I lost, like, I don't know. I never, I didn't have a scale. 
Yeah. I was just running on a field and you know what? I was having a fucking great time Yeah, because I like to play sports and I just find it's, I find movement fun regardless yeah. of what that movement is. I like to move. And because you were moving, you, you, you happen to lose weight because that's what your body naturally to lose wanted. Weight because yes. I was running probably like four freaking miles a day yeah. and then sprinting after a little ball, but I was, I was just happy. Yeah. Never even stepped on a scale. Yeah. And a teacher who he was male and he was older. He's probably dead now, but <laughs> <laughs> comes up to me and is like, it's a good thing. You joined the field hockey team. And when I kind of looked at him, he was like, cause you know, you were getting kind of fat. I was 15 years old yeah. and probably wearing a size six. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God. And there it was. And I was like, it was, it was this, it has stuck out in my head for 25, 30 years now that first of all, who the fuck is this dude and how fucking creepy is it? Yeah. Okay. But also there was never anything that I needed to do. I was just a kid having fun playing, mm -hmm. but it was immediately resorted down to, and look, it's a good thing you did this because, oh boy, you are in danger of wearing a size 10. I mean, what oh, the fuck? Double digits. Yeah. And so that is one story, but it's very illustrative of a lot of the other messages that I got around my body. Yeah. And so I, I just, I'm, I, I don't know, maybe I'm rambling. Maybe people are like, whatever, you've basically been thin your entire life. What are you bitching and complaining about? Uh, yeah, I have. I have basically been a thinner body shape my entire life and I'm still fucked up in the head about this. Yeah. So it's a, it's a privilege that I have access to all the things that I do because you can't talk about weight and health without acknowledging that if you have access to a gym and healthy food and the income to buy it and a job that, you know, you can go grocery store shopping or pick up healthy food or all the different subscription services that you can do, that's a fucking privilege, mm -hmm. which I have, which has absolutely helped me maintain a healthy existence. So we just got to, this is like one of those things I'm like, where's my Elmo with the fire behind it? Like right. burn it the fuck down. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I remember like, um, probably starting to diet or, or, or think about it in when in elementary school. That's a fucking crime. Yeah. Um, but I grew up in a house where people talked about losing weight and, did different diets and also called them, you know, said they were so fat when they, when they, when they were, were not. And, and of course the world uh, being conditioned as female, I mean, when you're conditioned as male, you get, you get messages too, but yeah, you do. And we don't talk about that enough. Right. Um, so, but yeah, that, that, the, the end, the end message was, I, I mean, I think I look back, I know that I probably got into health and fitness because it was wanting to look a certain way and wanting to help other people look a certain way. And of course, as, as I've gotten older and um, it's my why has changed. It's, it's like, you know, I just want to keep moving and wake up in the morning and be like, yep, I can I can do these things and, um, yeah. 
it's a good feeling to wake up in the morning and be like, I can, I can, my body can do all the things that I want it to do. Yeah. It is a good feeling. And that's going to be my focus. Yeah. So I don't know if you see me come along with me or listen to that podcast maintenance phase. You can get it where, wherever you're getting this one, I guarantee you, you can get that one, mm-hmm. but go over there and give a listen and give them some love. Yeah. All right. Let's, I guess we're probably about time to start wrapping this up. And so our year in review, Alex, <laughs> I was on Twitter because I love fucking Twitter. I fucking love Twitter. I love everything about Twitter. <laughs> I hate social media. I love fucking Twitter. <laughs> I hate Facebook. I hate Instagram. I love Twitter. And so um, one of the people I follow asked this question and they said, what brought you joy in 2021, but you can't give me an accomplishment. <laughs> so what brought you joy, Alex, in 2021, but it can't be something that's like an accomplishment. I'm going to have to say it can't be an, okay. Can't be an accomplishment. Do you have yours? Yeah. Well, you start. We got married. Well, yes. Okay. So all right. I won't take the low hanging fruit, but that was my answer. I was like, yeah, I married my baby wife. Yeah. That brought me the biggest amount of joy I've ever had in my life besides the birth of my children. Yeah. So, okay. So, so is that your answer too? Yeah, <laughs> this is incredibly awkward. Mine was when we got married. <laughs> was it yours? <laughs> oh no, yeah, um, yeah. Because I, it was all of it was the whole year leading up to that. Captain Underbite had a little sigh. Yeah, he was very excited about it too, even though he didn't get to come. Yeah, I think too, you know, when we say like it was the whole year leading up to it, we, we did not know we were going to be getting married in 2021. No, it was not on our, it was not on our vision boards. We didn't know till almost like almost three and a half months before we actually did it. Yeah. And so I, I think I went into 2021 feeling like, thank God it's not 2020. Um, I think I probably went into 2021, like most people thinking the vaccines around the corner, um, we're going to start to get back to some type of normalcy. Um, the insurrection happened, which was one of the most disturbing and horrible things I've ever seen happen. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's kind of like where we entered 2021. Um, I lost someone really close to me. Mm -hmm. But I've also had, you know, I, I believe in doing vision boards. Our neighbor, Sherry got us onto this and friend Andrea, who sometimes, who, who helps us in this podcast, got us into it. And a lot of things that I did put on my vision board did come true. Yeah. So I, I know we're planning on doing, doing them again this year, words, Yeah. but I did put on, like, I wanted time in 2020 time with you and time with the kids and being like really I guess maybe that's one of the things 2020 taught me was that it's okay to be doing nothing except just enjoying the company of the people around you. Yeah. I think when, with this question, what brought, what brought you joy? Um, of course our wedding brought us, brought me a ton of joy. I think where my brain was going was I was actually trying to think more of like, um, is it maybe like, like spiritual energetic surprise, surprise, but not like an event because, um, but what brought me so much joy was, was coming 
closer to, you know, coming home, which is, you know, this, this journey with, with you and with, with, with myself and, and of life and like, you know, and every year passing, like just, so um, yeah, so I could just kind of went to that, not necessarily yeah. like an event, of course. So I didn't mean but to. But I think I think though that your point is really well heard, and that so the event that happened that caused me the most joy was that we got married. Yeah. Right. But what actually was the joy? Yeah. Was that I have found peace and acceptance and love in a life that I never even dreamed of. Oh my gosh! Yeah, because we did a lot of things this past year that brought a lot of joy. Right. Um but those things happened because of who we are, who I am now and yeah. who we are now and what we've created together. I, I think I said this on the podcast when we did the, the breakdown of the, the wedding and the celebration. And I, I woke up the day after and subsequently, you know, for days after, and I was like, God, you know, I have a feeling of peace that I've just never yeah. had before. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that is what brought me the most joy in 2021, mm-hmm. that feeling of peace, which obviously is a byproduct of getting married. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's a culmination of a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. Is there anything in 2020 that you're like, oh my God, I never want to have to do that again. Was there anything like that in this past year? Anything in 2020 that, that- you're like, thank God that year's over. <laughs> you mean 2021 or 2020? 2021. Oh, you said 2020. That was, I'm sorry. uh, uh, Okay. That was, I was like, I have COVID. My brain's not working. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything that I don't want? You know, I, I, I guess I'm not that person to, um, well, wait, anything I don't want to happen again. (laughs) Oh my God. Kim, why are you married to me? (laughs) Because I love how your brain works. So you know how like the song is for like the new year song. It's basically like, do, do you forget everything that happened in the past and like only focus on the future? Like, what are you happy to leave behind? What are you looking yeah. forward to? Like, is there anything in 2021 that you're like, I'm really happy to leave that in the past and move on into the future? Um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave self-doubt. Okay. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, um, there was a lot of figuring in that process. See, and here's my asshole brain. That's like, well, I don't regret anything. Cause it got us to where we are, you know, <laughs> the past, the past is a map to the, to the present. Um, but yeah, I would, I'm grateful. I'm happy to leave self-doubt in 2021. I, I love how similar and how different we are. Okay. Because you are always like, like you like, we joke around about yeah. this. Like Alex is up in the sky and feeling energetically. And I am like rooted to the fucking earth where I think <laughs> chronologically. Right. And I think like, so for me, I'm like, what would I leave in 2021? Well, listen, anti-vaxxers, I'd really like to leave you in 2021. Mm -hmm. Um, I would, I would really like to leave instructionists and people that can't understand facts. Um, I would really like to leave that in 2021. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's where my brain went, Mm -hmm. but self-doubt like, yeah. Like when I think energetically, I think one of the things I really 
I've learned and, and kind of like t- 2020 and 2021 are like all blurring to me into the same yeah. bucket of time. Yeah. Captain <laughs> Underbite's on it. Maybe, maybe Trixie. Have we talked like do people know which Trixie is a squirrel that's living around our house? She's she torments the dogs. She torments them. <laughs> and, then, and then laughs in the corner. Poor Captain Underbite. Uh, but for, I, I wonder like if some of our listeners feel this way too. Like, does do, does 2020 and 2021 literally just feel like the same year? Yeah, because well, with 2020, I was gonna say I would leave, you know, the homeschooling. Oh my god. That was I, that was really hell. It was, um, it was really hard. Yeah. It was really hard to hold down full-time jobs. Yeah. And, 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 and I think I had read somewhere that I think it's like, um, like 3 million women yeah. left the workforce and only a million and a half have returned. Right. It's mind boggling to think about that anyway. Um, no, but like, I kind of feel the same way you do where I'm like, and, and, and someone was even asking me, they're like, well, what did you do for the holidays in 2020? And I'm like, I don't even fucking remember. Well, we were talking about where we, where we went or who was here. And I'm like, well, we, we did it, something. And then we, yeah, we were both kind of like, well, was that 2019? But maybe it was 2020. And yeah, just I, I just feel like we're living in this vortex of time. And so, and now this Christmas, because, you know, my, my mother <laughs> who is, who is, is doing fine. Yeah. Um, she got diagnosed, she got tested positive Christmas Eve morning. So our Christmas this year, again, I'm like, what the fuck did we do? I'm like, right. We sat around and looked at each other. Yeah. Yeah. And now Which we're, was not a bad deal. It's not a bad deal. And now we're quarantined this year. I'm like, when do I get Christmas again? <laughs> fuck new year's. I hate new year's, but Christmas, when do we get a week by ourselves again? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I love that. I'm like, okay, I get two weeks off of work at the end of the year and I'm going to spend 10 days of <laughs> fucking quarantine. Yeah. But I'm with you and Captain Underbite and Tukey and Blueberry Pancakes. Who are, who are sleeping on my butt. And our, and Rosie and yeah. the kids. All righty. Should we wrap up our year and say bye to our listeners till we see you in 2022 or you hear us in 2022? Yep. You have anything else you want to add? Well, balls of magic. Thanks for listening. If you made this far, <laughs> <laughs> it's a COVID five parter. <laughs> it's beginning to look good. No, um, uh, f- you can email us if you want, have any questions or comments or stories you want to share at how to be queer podcast at gmail.com. I made a link tree on the, on, on the TikToks. You can contact us through, um, through that. Uh, Alex the Human Human, Kim Salvaggio 101 on TikTok. We have Balls and Magic on Instagram and Facebook. Maybe we should like one of these days put this information at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, we're highly produced, Alex. Let's not get let's not get ahead of ourselves. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so go check out youthscene.org and support youth scene. And yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, that's all I got. That's all I got. Folks, listen to Just Like That. It is on HBO um, All Access. I think you can get it. And Maintenance Phase, where you find all of your podcasts. Yes, Maintenance Phase, Aubrey Gordon, um, Michael Hobbs. She, her, and Michael Hobbs. Yeah. Yep. And then, hey, um, a shout out to When I See You and you're like, oh my God, I totally listened to your podcast. It fucking warms my heart. 
So thank you for coming up and telling us. Mm-hmm. We've got like thousands of listeners from all over the world, Alex, which, you know, talk about 2021 in review. We went to Santa Fe and it was shit fucking weather. And we're like, you know, let's do a podcast. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. I know a lot of really cool things happened um, that brought a lot of joy. So yes, it did. Keep moving forward. All right. Happy new year, balls of magic. Happy new year, balls of magic. We love you.